yeah hello again everybody and welcome to another wednesday briefing today is the 5th of october talking about a little bit about what we were discussing last week and some new ideas that's coming down the line how's everything with you today i am good i'm uh, done with the river work for the season which is very nice so now i'm uh, just out with our little hunting dog out for little walks if you hear him starting to bark you might pick up a scent of a caper kale or something <laughs> i love these little like uh briefings at the mini briefings at the beginning of each episode it's like how's your amaze today <laughs> i think you, you you need your own like reality show i think just in general <laughs> no i don't i i uh nightmare fuel for you as long as 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 as, as long as it, it would pay enough for it to be worth the um uh, invasion of privacy called? probably pro- yeah and probably emotional trauma yeah for sure i can't think that would be one thing i can't think of anything worse than having my own reality show and i can't think of anything worse than being on a reality show like i would never do one of those like alone or something and well i guess that one's slightly mm-hmm. different is it because you kind of have to record it yourself uh yeah but you're, you're you're not in control over the editing in the end that's true. So it, it doesn't necessarily matter in that way i mean the, the the people that do it all all uh respect to them it is even if it is uh, like a naked afraid or or whatever it is it's still still a lot of effort to put yourself out there in, in that way for sure and then like having to deal with the emotional sort of battles while also like having to think about recording every day that would be really tough i think yeah, in alone, yeah, for sure. That would be really interesting. There's someone who's made like overnight camping documentaries for YouTube. I know just how long it takes or just how much extra brain power it takes just to make a just like an overnighter video. So I can only imagine imagine having to do that like every day for mm. whatever months or whatever weeks that you manage to survive. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah, for sure. But um but thanks for all your responses from last week, uh, guys. The documentary Happy People seems to have kind of struck a chord with a few people. Uh, some had seen it, some hadn't seen it for a long time, and some had never seen it. So uh, it was really nice to get a mixed uh, kind of response from that. And if anybody hasn't checked out last week's episode, highly recommend it. And then also go and watch the documentary. It is very, very good. Highly recommend. If you didn't pick that up from last week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we got a few comments from people, which is always nice, and I do like to read them out. So comment comes from Andre, who is one of our patrons, so uh, our Patreon subscribers. So thank you, Andre. Um, he said, I saw the documentary years ago, a uh, beautiful work of art and great film uh, filmography. Uh, good point about the fact that our brains aren't wired to get enjoyment from work. Uh, from a long-term project compared to, example, cutting wood, um, and he says, as a visual designer, even seeing my smaller and mundane work in everyday life at a certain grocery store kind of gives me a bit of a feeling of I did that and it's there, you know, um, great episode. Thank you, Andre. That's a really good point. And yeah, I think that enjoyment of work is kind of an interesting concept, isn't it? Like it used to be almost a given that, you know, you don't like your job, mm-hmm. our parents' generations, at least they kind of. You're almost expected to uh, to hate your job, weren't you? And I think that there's like I think our generation, especially, is like sort of pushing back on that now, though. Especially with the whole thing with like working from home with COVID and all that stuff. And 
I remember uh, reading an article years ago, maybe a year or so ago, um, and it was talking about our generation that people are almost willing to now take less pay for a more more fulfillment mm. and happiness in their jobs. I mean, there, there's a there's a movement going on in Japan or China, uh, and I cannot remember. I think it's Australia. Well, it's it, it may be there as well, but the the article I was I was reading about was in Japan or China where. The younger okay. generation decides to sort of stop overachieving because there's it, it's sort of coming to the this sort of questioning of uh, what is what is considered as status symbols. Well, I think that's what they were talking about. Like, is a fancy car a good thing? Is a big apartment a good thing? Is is all of these things that more money can buy? Is that what we should be striving for, or? Is it something else? Definitely. And I think the term I saw, I was reading a similar article. It was actually out of Australia. And it was, again, a pushback based on places forcing people to come back to work after COVID and stuff, even though it's been proven that, you know, they're just as productive working from home and that they're actually happier and feel more fulfilled in their jobs. And I think it's like quiet quitting, basically, is what it's the term is, where it's basically like people are only doing now uh very much contractually obliged to do and nothing else and i think it's kind of a pushback on that sort of i don't know for want of a better word i suppose that kind of hustle culture that maybe was quite popular maybe 10 years ago where if you worked for like a tech company like google or microsoft mm. or whatever whoever it might be that it was like encouraged for you to spend as much time as possible at the office because hey we give you free dinners and you've got ping pong tables and there's like sleeping rooms and all this and all of this was kind of seemed like interesting perks but the reality of it is it's just mm -hmm. encouraging people to like the culture of their lives become their job their culture the culture of their life becomes their job and their identity and that's really really strange when you kind of blur those lines and i think for for sure people are starting to sort of try and push back against that um and i mean on a smaller scale i mean i've definitely quit jobs after a few months because they were so obviously damaging to like my mental health, my stress levels were going through the roof and it was like, this is not good for me. And I, I, I've definitely quit jobs because of it. But yeah, I think it's, you're right though, uh, Andre, in the sense that that immediate enjoyment or sort of sense of achievement that you feel from chopping yeah. firewood, building a shelter. Yeah, ex exactly. And it, it is, uh, uh, that also taps into the opposite of, uh, what his comment is about of the small gratification. I guess you could also argue, if you're of different uh, opinions, you could also argue that it's a matter of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a matter of attitude, mm -hmm. you know, because you could tell someone like, hey, well, yeah, maybe then you should just set up, uh, uh, what is it called? Small goals for yourself. So that if it is a long-term right. project, maybe you set up that you know you're building the uh, the raised bed. That's goal one. So then you can see that. Mm -hmm. But the long-term mm -hmm. goal or or the long-term work is something that you might be talking about in the in the uh, break room or whatever as the goal. But if if uh, you can't deal with that, then you might you might have to put in the work yourself to set it up. If that makes sense. So there's, there's, there's always like with, with, with these things, it's always, I guess, easy to uh, make a counter argument, but it mm -hmm, might not, mm -hmm. it might not be uh, relevant, and that it, that is the trickiness of, of 
dealing with uh, what is good for yourself or, or good for your mental health. There's no really uh, straight line and decision no. of this is exactly what's good. No, of course. And, you know, from a very privileged position to be able to say, hey, just quit your job and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> of course, it doesn't yeah. work for a lot of people. But I think on a practical level, what you're talking about there is setting like breaking down a moment, momentous or monumental, mm. seemingly monumental task into kind of workable checks. So it's like, okay, well, mm -hmm. in order to achieve this giant goal, it's actually four different small, four small things that are all, that are all achievable. Mm -hmm. And so creating lists for yourself and checking those things off gives you a visual sort of stimulus of like a physical thing of being able to check a tick, a tick a box off on a list of kind of, seemingly like monumentous deliverables um that can also be quite um rewarding to the brain to be able to see a list being checked off um and that goes for everything college work yeah you know yeah i mean it, lists are i mean it's it's, a, it's such an it's such an abstract <laughs> conversation to have because it is not it is not uh, uh you can throw you can easily throw all of these sort of generic ideas and thoughts about it out there and see sort of what sticks mm -hmm. but in the end of the day it's it, it, to each individual for some people chopping firewood i know i know like some people in the village and other people that i know chopping firewood is the most boring task ever because it's repetitive <laughs> and you you like it's an it's an endless amount of work so even yeah the ta task that gives you an instant reward of chopping that piece of wood in half, it's uh, very daunting if you are going to fill up a year or two years worth of firewood into a woodshed. Then that right. single chopping a piece in half might not be as rewarding. Rewarding. Com yeah. Compared to being yeah, out camping. So I, I, I guess for, for me at exactly. least, it is, it is the... Um, combination of uh, doing long-term projects but then also being able to step outside and chop some firewood to get that instant reward no exactly i was going to make that difference between stacking a, a woodshed for two years worth of wood versus an, an overnighter is, is a slightly different thing but i definitely understand like kind of where you're coming from there for sure our next comment comes from andrew j herring um he said that he watched this documentary a few years ago but he wanted to revisit it um so that's cool that you could get get him to see it again uh he said that i believe the term you're looking for near the end of the episode was seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression as it's commonly called um yeah so i guess what he's referring to there was the the kind of part i was talking about at the end where basically again i suppose it comes back to I suppose there's an underlying theme, isn't there, with this Happy People documentary that I wasn't really aware of up until kind of we started talking about it was the contrast between the way in which that they seemingly are happy versus our sort of modern lifestyles and how it's making us <laughs> unhappy, I suppose. Um, and that sort of idea of uh, not really allowing our bodies to adapt and move with the seasons as these people kind of are forced to. Um, because they can only do certain things at certain times of the year and our modern lives don't allow us to do that. And I think, yeah, what the result of that is what's called seasonal affective disorder, where people really suffer when the days start getting longer uh, or sorry, the days start getting shorter, the nights getting longer and things. And um, people spend the majority of their winter under 
kind of uh, fake lights or, you know, like a work light, light bulbs as opposed to getting some natural light. And it is a big thing in a lot of parts of the world as well, where there's a lot of kind of darkness in the, in the winter season. Um, and I actually started reading a book recently, uh, or just based off that last episode, I started reading into it. And I'm, I've started reading a book that's, uh, it's actually just called Wintering. And it's wintering as a concept about sort of tucking in for the winter, sort of settling down, allowing your body to sort of relax and rest and recuperate and a sort of a mental shift in seasonal kind of thinking. Um, and it's like, it's something I think that's very much more a part of the Nordics and probably, Jeremy, you take it for granted, but it's not actually very a very common thing in sort of Europe and Ireland and the UK and things. But it's like, let's say in well i guess for you like changing your in, from your summer wardrobe to your winter wardrobe that is very much like a, a kind of a not a ritualistic thing but sort of like oh i have to go down to the basement and get up the the warm clothes you know put the cold one or put the the summer clothes away or or like we were just talking about you know preparing the wood stock or you know stocking and freezing or drying food i suppose that would have been more like a thing done in the past but Jeremias, I'm sure this is stuff that you're very familiar with. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is ritualistic for us to uh, a certain degree, for sure. Mm. Since everything that we do, well, I, I think I've said this before, but everything that we do uh, during the seasons that we have that's not winter is to prepare, mm. pre prepare for the coming winter. Gotcha. So all these small steps, like filling the freezer with moose meat or uh, caper kale or reindeer that we buy or whatever it is, mm -hmm. all of these things are steps towards to be able to winterize. Because during winter, it's not until spring winter that I start cutting down trees for firewood again, most years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but during winter, it is about to uh, make it a little bit more dramatic. It's about to survive to next summer mm -hmm. with hopefully what we have in our uh, pantry and freezer and uh, and woodshed. Mm -hmm. Of course, we do go and buy food during the weeks and months and things like that during winter. But my point is, like, I don't take it for granted because we do have dogs and we have the lifestyle that we have. So all the steps towards winter are very critical. So during winter, mm -hmm. we we do what we need to do, but then we do allow ourselves to just enjoy relaxing in the afternoon a bit more than we do in summer. Because mm -hmm. it is, it is even even if I grew up up here and been living here uh, for my whole life, it's it the the light does affect me, but it affects me differently than other people probably, because there's I have a different relationship to it. And also, uh, both Han and I are entitled enough to run our own business in a way for that, that it's possible for us to sit down and relax. We don't have, of course, we have long days of work, but we don't have the Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, 9 to 5, or whatever it is, to, to uh, then being able to sort of, what's it called, feel financially stable, and uh, also combat the uh, seasonal yeah. affection disorder. Yeah, definitely. 
and and for again I, I guess there's kind of a running theme there again it's kind of slightly to do with our last the last comment there which was this sense of achievement um and i think uh the the woman at least who wrote this book wintering it's kind of she discusses the idea of wintering as a concept rather than sort of like a very practical sort of like the way maybe you're me as you would have but and it's kind of written from someone who's from the uk so it's she kind of discusses i won't go into it too much because i'm actually going to do a review of this book once i finish it which will be available on patreon but essentially what she's talking about is different ways that people kind of mentally winter in the around the world so hot springs in iceland or the sauna in sweden and finland um or or netflix in uh, our yeah. household <laughs> exactly you know that can also be a form of wintering you know so it's an interesting concept and again it's something that i would like to come back to um maybe after i've finished this book and maybe gotten the review for you guys on patreon um but yeah interesting interesting comments from last week's episode and it's really nice to see these sort of um more sort of uh not philosophical but sort of thought experiments kind of coming up from yeah but it's it's know. it's definitely pushing pushing towards uh, philosophical mm, questions mm. i really like that. yeah me too so keep your comments coming there's no there's no there's no an, there's no answer and that's that's quite nice being able to sort of completely bullshit in and around the subject is also quite nice <laughs> yeah. well speaking of uh speaking of bullshitting around a subject um shall we get on to kind of what we want to discuss today here mates for sure Sure. Well, basically, I suppose we, we've noticed that the most interaction that we get from you guys is not from like the interviews. It's not from those sort of tree tree way interviews with like a guest and stuff. It's actually from the conversations where Yermias and I are kind of taking a bit of a deep dive into specific subjects. So whether that's, you know, an episode dedicated to how to dress in winter or I believe we did a movie episode a while back that got a shitload of views or listens i should say um so that stuff people seem to really enjoy that stuff and we were thinking about you know how do we combine that sort of style of interaction while also being able to actually deliver something really valuable uh, to you guys i mean it for the, the patreon for us is to be able to sort of finance the hosting and everything and you can almost see it as a contribution to the podcast plus that you get a bunch of really cool mm. content uh you get a patch and you get some pdfs that we're going to come out with in regards to the topics mm. that we're going to discuss but from my side we talked about this a lot before and it's so hard Quantify to it. subscribe yeah. to a podcast yeah but it's also so hard to subscribe to a podcast in general uh for mm. me at least so like for, for 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 us it is to make sure that it's not a financial burden over the coming years for right. us to be able to do exactly. this with uh equipment with uh the hosting with the website with all of these things that that are critical to to be mm-hmm. able to produce mm-hmm. a podcast uh, so based on our kind of collective experience of things from like outdoor tools clothing skills whatever we think it could be useful that we could like deliver these sort of jargon free sort of bullshit remove the bullshit sort of conversations um and deliver sort of like educational episodes on the patreon every week 
for you guys to kind of experience, uh, sort of kind of dive into. So like, you know, I think as a stance, things like online learning and, and YouTube and things, they can be kind of quite difficult to stay on top of because it often requires the person to sort of sit down and take notes and kind of pay attention to a video that they're watching. But podcasts and kind of conversations and the way that we do these things, they're kind of like, uh, they're much more of a passive interaction. So whether you're driving to work, whether you're walking the dog, mowing the lawn, whatever you kind of choose to do, you can kind of bring Trial by Fire along with you. And I think that's the beauty of our platform. So as I was saying, if you're on our Patreon, apart from the fact that you're helping us with, you know, your favorite podcast in the world, of course, um, the type of content that you can kind of expect is like the main chunk is going to be deep dive content. So everything from cutting tools, buying your first bushcraft knife, axes and saws and different things uh, between those things, um, subjects like how to pack for your for an overnighter, uh, different backpack up op backpack options, footwear, shelters, you know, tree and plant idea and their uses, you name it. Like we can we can also uh, if people want, they can actually have a chance to kind of let us know what kind of content they'd also like to see. And as I was saying, with each of these kind of deep dive episodes, you're going to get a PDF cheat sheet, which mm -hmm. I've illustrated and designed personally. So you'll be able to kind of follow along with kind of what we're talking about. If you choose to, it's not necessary. Obviously, you can listen along and then look at the PDF later. Um, and the first three episodes um, are going to be about cutting tools and I believe as it stands when this episode comes out the first one is already available um, on our Patreon right now which we're going to give you a sneak preview of at the end of this episode um, but you're also on our Patreon you're also going to get like weekly recommendations in the form of like an article so piece of kit that we're using a book a podcast whatever it might be and, uh, and I think there's already a bunch of those online as well and of course you get the patch as a thank you yeah, basically, we're trying to give you guys a whole bunch of stuff that you know we can offer on top of the show. Uh, I guess hop down from the from the high horse a little bit. We're not subject matter experts in no, no, almost any or none of the <laughs> topics that we're we're bringing up. It's more of a a way to uh, distribute information that is already readily available mm -hmm. in uh, what we think is a sort of a compact format that is. Easy to listen to, easy to take along, and uh, being able to listen to it in the car, uh, on your walk, on your run, on your way to, to the forest or to the mountains or wherever you're going, yep. without having to go through, for example, YouTube, where you, if you're going to you know, lock your screen, you're going to have to subscribe to YouTube anyway and pay a monthly fee. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's it it is so the kind of the 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 brass tacks is that uh, we're kind of trying to offer this this sort of extra additional um, content as a way of saying thank you for being supporters of the podcast. It allows me to spend more time and energy every month bringing you guys good content as well as Jeremy is, and it allows for us to kind of justify spending the hours doing it because it allows us then to pay for the web hosting, pay for the the kind of the the space we need to host the the uh, or to host the um the audio files and all that stuff online um so it's going to be a straight cut five five euro a month for everybody um and you get everything in that and um, what's that it's less than the price of a beer these days i think 
yeah, check it out. I'm going to put a link for our Patreon in this episode at, at the end of the comments. And also you can find it on our um, on our Instagram as well. Um, and thanks to everybody that's already subscribed on there because it's really, really, it's becoming a really interesting platform for people to comment and for people to share things. And for me to be able to, to kind of get really detailed information from people like people are super generous with how they like kind of respond to the content and message and comment on things as well so it's becoming a really nice platform um and of course we're always going to be doing interviews we're always going to be doing these wednesday briefings so none of that's changing but if you want all this extra stuff on top of it as a way to help us uh kind of keep mm-hmm. the show going then we really really appreciate it yeah we really do and it's not it's not it's not a lot but it helps us even more. It does. It does. Um, so we're going to end this episode with a small clip from the first episode. Um, as I said, if you're interested in listening to the rest of it, go and subscribe to our Patreon. And with this episode, you will also get a PDF with all this information uh, that's super um, sort of accessible. And then at the end of like, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe six months or so, what you're going to be left with is this database of, of PDFs that you can kind of call upon for kind of useful information. And hopefully they're they're useful to people. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's finish this one off with uh, a little clip from from that episode. True, but there are some, regardless of the type of knife that or type of choice of of like style of knife that you choose to get. There's a universal set of factors that you need to consider. And again, you'll find these in your cheat sheet. But well, it would be interesting to go through these things. The first one would be edge retention. So this is about you know how long your knife is going to stay sharp. Um, edge retention is important is important if you want a reliable tool that isn't going to dull too quickly. But but the but the edge retention is is something that's important. If if the steel is soft, it also means that it's really easy to sharpen. Um, but it just means that it's going to have to be sharpened more often. Um, so maybe that's something that you need to consider. Uh, for me, um, if we go through the the uh, other factors of uh, that we put together with toughness and corrosion resistance, like uh, of course a, a, a knife that is a little bit tougher, it's a lot more resistant to chipping and snapping. My my thought on edge retention and ease of sharpening is that it should be easy to sharpen. For me. Edge retention is not that important. I do enjoy a soft steel because I want to be able to sharpen it with ease, without having to think, without having to uh, worry if I have the right stuff and 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 whatnot. It's it, and it, it's just a it's just a preference. It's not right and it's not not wrong. And historically as well, if you look at the types of uh, knives and steels that come from northern Sweden or in Sweden in general, it's usually very soft sealed knives. Yes, um, yeah. and hand forged. And yeah, yeah. and uh, you find in any every old fisherman's or hunter's toolbox, you find a knife that is basically as thin as a matchstick, and they are still loving it, and they've had it for half a <laughs> lifetime or full a lifetime. Right. Right, so right. The, no belly left. No belly left, <laughs> but it still does the job, and they've learned how to use right. that throughout time, through through the changes of the the geometry geometry of the blade and everything. So it's it it's the yeah for me ease of sharp, sharpening is more important than edge retention. Okay. 
any day of yeah, the week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hear you for sure, and I agree with you that those more traditional lives, the kind of even today, like you know, the likes of the Mora Companion or the Mora Eldris or uh, some of the what's the the knife that you carry, Jeremy, is the um, Astrum. The Castrum, yeah. yeah, like a lot of those, a lot of those Sandvik steels, which are it's a Swedish knife company, would provide a lot of the steels for those um, knives, and they are typically quite soft. Um, they're very easy to sharpen. Um, they do dull a little bit quicker than the kind of the more expensive high end steels that are coming out of at the states and things like that. The only thing about it is, as you're sharpening, you're, I mean, again, like you said, this takes a lifetime depending on how long um, or how often you need to sharpen your knife, it will start to, your knife will start to get smaller. Bit by bit by bit, you'll start to lose that edge. And after five, six, seven years of sharpening and using a knife, it is going to look noticeably different. Than-